they take on bad clients. And this applies to any industry, any business. If you yep. take on bad clients, your operational costs will be 10 times higher than that of having a good client. Best ever listeners, before today's episode, I want to invite you to join us in Keystone, Colorado, February 20th through 22nd. It is the 2020 Best Ever Conference. And not only do I want to invite you to join us, I want to invite you to earn 15% for every ticket that you're responsible for selling should you join as an affiliate for the conference. Great way to earn money. And also, if you're planning on attending, great way to pay for your ticket, essentially. You get enough sales. So you can go to BEC20.com. And in the top left corner, it says earn 15% as an affiliate. You can click that, join the affiliate program, and you got all the resources that you need to share the good word about the Best Ever Conference in Keystone, Colorado. And we will be talking more about this on future episodes. But for now, go check out BEC20.com and that affiliate page. You can earn 15% as an affiliate, and we will see you in Keystone, Colorado. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to our best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast where we only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff. We don't deal with the fluffy stuff. With us today, we've got Jason Hall. How you doing, Jason? I'm doing great. How are you? Well, I am doing great as well and looking forward to our conversation. A little bit about Jason. He is a property management growth expert. They have 1,900 property management business owners in their Facebook community, helped 400 clients since they opened in 2008, 135 active coaching clients, and 53,000 downloads on their podcast, Door, Grow, Show. That rhymes. I like it. And you're based in Valencia, California. So with that being said, Jason, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Yeah. So a little bit of background for your listeners, which are in the real estate industry. I grew up around a real estate mom. She paid me two cents a fold to fold trifold flyers that I would canvas neighborhoods with on either a scooter or rollerblades, right? So I grew up with a mom who showed me hustle. She was an entrepreneur and I've got several brothers in the real estate industry, but I was the one that was a nerd. I just got into technology. I started geeking out on stuff. I love entrepreneurism and fast forward. I ended up somehow coaching property management business owners in an industry that I've never even had a rental property, but they keep coming to me and I'm really good at helping them do what they need to do. So what do you help them do? Basically what I do in a nutshell at DoorGrow is we take property management businesses that are struggling to grow and we rehab their business just like you would rehab a property so it could cash flow or rent roll effectively. We rehab property management businesses so they can cash flow or make money properly. So essentially we're doing anything from cleaning up their brand to doing their website to helping them set up a reputation strategy to drive more warm leads prospecting methods, sales process trainings, pricing strategy and psychology, whatever it takes on the front end of their business to help them grow. I just tell them, I'm not going to teach you how to do property management. Not my jam, but I'll teach you how to win. How do you know the industry so well if you haven't done it yourself? Great question. So I don't know the nuts and bolts of property management. I'm not going to coach somebody on how to deal with tenants, toilets, and termites. Not my thing. But I think the basics of what makes a business work really apply to any industry. 
Yep. And I just applied it to a niche that we started to get strong in organically and it kind of took off, but there's nothing magical in particular that I do, I would say that wouldn't work in any industry. But what we yeah. do is quite unique. And most business owners, when they're trying to grow their business, they first focus on SEO, pay-per-click, mm -hmm. content marketing, social media marketing, and pay-per-lead services. And I don't believe you need any of those in order to grow your business. We used to do those things, but we help property management companies grow without them. Mm -hmm. And they grow really well. So the challenge is all of that really is kind of pinned on search engine marketing, all of those channels. And the idea behind search engine marketing is if I could just have the top spot on Google, all my hopes and dreams would come true. And I jokingly call that the SEO lottery. And you don't have to play the SEO lottery in which you have a few noisy winners at the top and everybody else is a loser in order to grow your business. There are other ways to grow your business. Yeah, I think of the profit on A&E, I think. It doesn't matter the channel. That's going to bother me. But anyway, the profit where he goes in to a cupcake shop and he gives people products and process and he gives an analysis of the business and then figures out how to fix it. And he's, to best my knowledge, hasn't been in all the business industries that he's fixing, but he has a certain process. So I get the concept. One thing that he did have is he had successfully created his own business and sold it and done well and blah, blah, blah. So what were you doing prior to door grow? Really, we were operating as a company called Open Potion, and we largely did website design. So originally, I started out freelance, really just me, and doing websites for clients. And I kind of quickly became the secret weapon of property managers. So one of my first clients was my brother. He was bought into a property management franchise, didn't like the website, and asked me for some help. I gave him some tip from a marketing perspective. I said, what were add they? some faces to it. Okay, add some faces. What were the tips? Yeah. Add some faces. You need some humanity on your website. If there's no uh -huh. faces on your homepage, imagine you walked into a town and you didn't see any humans anywhere. Scary. Yeah, it feels weird. And that's how some businesses look. You see high-rise buildings and maybe corporate structures and you see text and there's no people. Or even worse, sometimes you see people, but they all look like really smiley, cheesy stock photos that are a little bit too good looking. If something's off, they're Stepford Wives or you're in some sort yeah. of alternate reality, right? So you need real people. People buy from people. People like people. Go figure, right? Yeah. So that was one of the first tips I gave him. Then I said, why don't you also take some of this content that's just blobs of paragraphs of text and let's chunk this, at least at bullet point, something, break it up a little bit, make it easy to digest. Because people don't read websites, they skim. Mm -hmm. So make it easy for them to do that. Add social proof, add trust symbols. There's lots of little indicators that create trust and sales happens at the speed of trust. And so if your goal is to make money, the website really is all about creating trust, not about manipulating Google. What, and, what are social symbols that add trust? For example, social proof or trust symbols. So social proof would be video testimonials, text testimonials with a face next to it because that makes it real. Those things increase conversion rates. Got it. It says somebody else is vouching for your company. The social proof would be indicators like if you're a local business, having the Chamber of Commerce's logo on there, that showing you're a part of it, Better Business Bureau. Other trust symbols might be trade organizations. So in my industry, there's NARPM, which is the National Association of Residential Property Managers. So they'll have their NARPM logo. 
it might be real estate logos or fair housing stuff, whatever. Anything that says we're safe, we're trustworthy, here's another third party that's vouching for us, we're a part of this, it just makes people feel safer. And if you put those trust symbols near your lead capture, conversion rates are proven to go up. When the prospective client comes to you and she says, Jason, I need help. My property management company is struggling to grow. We need the cash flow more and we want to scale. What are the questions you ask her? One of my favorite sales questions, and this is probably interesting for any listener. I first say, what is your biggest challenge in your business right now? I love asking that question because that's the one thing they really care about. Where's your pain? And then they'll tell me what their biggest challenge is. Sometimes they're telling me what may not fully give me the story. So a great follow-up question I love to use in sales, if I don't feel like I'm really getting to bedrock there, is why now? I'll say to them, you've probably seen me on my podcast. You've probably watched a bunch of videos, right? You've probably been around me for a while. Why now? Why are you reaching out now? What's changed? And in those moments, you start to step onto sacred ground. Mm. Something interesting happens because I start hearing stuff like, my wife just left me. Or one guy said, I'm waiting for a double lung transplant because I have a serious illness and disease and I want to make sure my business is operating effectively and I'm nervous. Or I had cancer and I just came through. You'll hear all kinds of crazy stuff. Sometimes it's more simple. Like we just lost a bunch of our portfolio, our doors, and we're struggling to grow and it's getting painful. But it starts to go a little bit deeper beyond the superficial because there's something driving them to talk to you right now. If somebody's reached out to you or somebody's become open to having a conversation with you, that's a sales conversation. Why now is one of my favorite questions to ask. What are top five things that when someone comes to you, you usually can implement rather easily to get them in the right direction? The basic things that we take a business through are really about five things. The first thing we want to oh, tackle. what a coincidence. <laughs> the first thing we want to tackle is branding because branding affects the very beginning of the sales pipeline at the awareness stage. So for example, in property management, a lot of property management companies have a brand name that says real estate in it. And real estate in your brand name in property management is a quick way to scare off maybe about half of your potential customers because they want a specialist. They don't want somebody that's out hunting, chasing real estate deals. Mm -hmm. They want somebody that's actually going to take care of their property. Like is property management even really a focus for you? Cause it's not even in your name or it's not, a main part of your name, or you're trying to do two things. Mm. So branding is a big thing after we get that cleaned up with a company. And there's a lot of potential pitfalls when it comes to branding, using names that are generic that people can't remember. Because the crux of branding is being memorable. The number one source of leads and deals is word of mouth for most businesses. And the crux of that is being remembered too. So if they don't remember you, your brand and positioning might be off. And if that's off, you could be losing out on half the amount of deals and leads you could or should be getting. And that's a big leak. So we want to take care of that first. Then we move through the pipeline. So reputation is a big deal. We want to make sure you have a strategy in place because most business owners, they get started and they think, if I just provide really good customer service, I'll have great reviews all over Google, Yelp, and everywhere else. But that's just not true. 
those that have a really good reputation have some sort of process in place. They have a system they've created for soliciting feedback, for getting good reviews, for reaching out, identifying peak happiness, leveraging the law of reciprocity, these kind of things. So we want to make sure we build a process to get them better reviews. And so we have a platform called gatherkudos.com, which any business or industry can use. We set up to help facilitate this process because property management companies have a hard time getting good reviews. This is a big challenge in this industry because tenants generally are not very happy when they don't get their full deposit back. So we had to build and create a system that would allow them to make the negative reviews more of an outlier so that they were consistently getting positive feedback and reviews online from their happy tenants and owners. So gatherkudos.com is a service that we provide to do that for any industry. It just happened to be something our clients needed. And then we started attracting clients from all over. So we focus on that. Then we'll also focus on the websites. Before we move on, how does Gather Kudos work exactly? Real get- simple. We set up a landing page for the business, gatherkudos.com slash your biz or whatever. And then basically when people go to this page in a single click, it identifies whether they are happy or something else. And if there's something else, then instead of giving them all your review sites, so if they're happy, it'll just show all the different review sites and it says, pick whatever you're comfortable with, basically. Pick whatever you're used to. Rather than trying to corral everybody to Google or to Yelp, they can pick from all the different sites and they may have come to you through Zillow or Truly or something else. And that may be where they want to go leave you feedback. So it allows them to go to the channel that they're used to. Maybe Facebook is what they're into and used to. Maybe they're not a Google person or a Yelp person. So it prevents wasted reviews. It prevents them from getting stuck or confused. And then it gives them directions how to do it. Real simple text and images, and they click the button to go off to leave this review. If it's negative or neutral, then in a single click, it will qualify them and identify them as this. And then it will give the opportunity for them to give you direct, immediate feedback. They can fill out a form there to send you an email, or we usually have the business owner put their cell phone number and say, we want to hear from you directly. Call me. If there's an issue, we want to take care of it. So this allows people to bypass that natural barrier to feedback that every business owner creates as they build a team. As we scale and build a team, we move our office into the back. We set up an auto attendant. We have a receptionist. We're protected so that we can leverage our team. But the challenge is it creates a barrier to feedback between us and the customer. And we no longer have that direct feedback to know how we're really doing. And the only person that really maybe knows is our frontline staff that might be the ones offending our customer. So this allows them to bypass your frontline staff for you to get direct feedback. And it makes it safe so you can get feedback, good or bad. If it's good, it'll push them towards the review sites. If it's bad, it gets to go to you directly. And then you can take care of it. So it helps prevent negative reviews because most people's feedback is more in the neutral to negative category. They're not at DEFCON 5 nuclear wanting to destroy your business, but those are the ones that end up on review sites. And if you can capture them before they get to that point, you may be able to prevent a significant amount of negative reviews online. So an ounce of prevention, they say, is worth a pound of cure. So if it's a positive review, did I hear you say they give text in an image? Do you provide them with sample images within that platform? Yes. So what it will say, for example, if they click on Google, then it will say, here's how to leave a Google review. Here's the steps. It'll show screenshots, like what the button looks like to click on, and it gives them directions. Got it. But you don't provide them with sample images to upload. They have to upload their own image and write their own text. Yeah. They leave their own review. They do their own thing. 
Got it. So okay. It ends up cool. being real. And just jumping back to the branding part and being memorable, you said make sure that you don't have real estate in the name, have property management in the name, makes total sense, and be memorable. What are some other branding guidelines that you'd give to someone whenever they're creating a brand in property management? Some of the basic rules in branding in general are you want to avoid names generic to the category. So if you're a real estate business, you don't want your name to be best real estate company or Phoenix Realty if you're in Phoenix. So you also don't want to have names that are generic to the location like Phoenix Realty if you're in Phoenix. You'll notice that some of the most successful brands have nothing to do with the category. Who came into the scene of online books and crushed it? Amazon. Who came onto the scene and started crushing online search? Google. Who started the industry of facial tissue? Kleenex. These names had nothing really directly to do with the category. They were original, unique names. So you don't want names that are generic to where you're like the same as every other company in the market. In Phoenix, you would have Phoenix Carpet Cleaning and Phoenix the Bank and Phoenix whatever. And you don't want to be Phoenix Property Management or Phoenix Realty, et cetera. So it just makes word of mouth really difficult. People can't remember names that are generic. So that's one of the biggest rules. And there's a whole host of rules when it comes to color, when it comes to layout with the logo, when it comes to spelling, there's a lot of potential pitfalls. The absolute worst thing you can do with a brand name, for those listening, take a look at your brand name. If you have a generic business name, it's generic to the industry or the category, and you've misspelled it to be clever, right? <laughs> you're a barber and you do haircuts with a Z at the end because you think you're clever, you are probably losing out on tens of thousands of dollars in annual revenue, probably monthly. <laughs> so, yeah. And will you just close the loop on why misspelling it would be a... Oh, yeah. So there's this great thing called autocorrect that happens, which if your name is misspelled, every system on the planet is going to try and <laughs> fix it so people won't <laughs> you. The other thing is people won't hear this misspelling. So verbally, word of mouth gets hurt and damaged. And if it's generic name, if they search for you because they've heard about you, who are they going to find? All your competitors. That's mm -hmm. what they're going to find when they search for a generic term. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the basis of that, I guess. Great stuff. Let's do one more. I know I asked for five and you're prepared for five, but I know we probably have time for one more. So what's another step in the process that you take someone through? Well, at the very front end, you've got branding, reputation, and then website. Because the reputation stuff is going to feed you leads to your website. People are going to check out your website. So it needs to be high converting. It needs to be focused on trust. So the three biggest tips I could give for a website, look at your homepage. It needs to answer three core questions. Every visitor has three questions when they land on your page. First question is, what do you do? Is it what I need? That's question one. If it doesn't answer that in big, bold text at the top of the page, we manage properties in Phoenix, for example, or we help real estate investors find property or whatever it might be in this city. People want to know, am I at the right place? That's mm -hmm. question number one. Question number two, once they know they're at the right place, that you can do what they need. Question number two is, why should I choose you to do it? What's special about you? Help me make a choice here. Why should I pick you over everyone else that does that? Because there's other people that do that. What's different about you? Help them make a choice. So why choose us? So you should have some unique differentiators or unique selling proposition or something that sets you apart to say, here's why you should choose us to do this. That crux of your content below the big headlines that I was just saying you need should be on the page. And then the third question. So once you know what you do, 
and why they should choose you to do it, the next logical thing they're going to be thinking is, all right, what do you want me to do next? Then you need a call to action. So the third question that they need answered is, what do you want me to do next? What's the next logical step I would be willing to take as a consumer? Give me that direction and I'll do it. So you'd be surprised how many websites have no call to action on the homepage, no lead capture to fill out a lead. There's no action that they're asking them to take. They're just hoping that somebody will just decide to do something. What is a call to action that a property management company should have? One of the most simple is give us a call or fill out this form for a free quote or find out what your property could rent for or even just view pricing. Like go to our pricing page is a great call to action for the homepage because everyone's going to want to do it anyway. Send them there and then have that page sell really effectively. Mm -hmm. Based on your experience as an entrepreneur in the real estate industry, what is your best advice ever for property managers? My best advice ever for property managers, especially for the business owners, is don't be a property manager. Consider yourself an entrepreneur. Be the business owner. Property managers are who you hire. They're the people that do the work in the business for you. So be the business owner and get out of the tactical day-to-day. We're going to do a lightning round. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Let's do it. All right. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Best ever listeners, go to BEC20.com. Look in the top left-hand corner. You can earn 15% as an affiliate. You can join the affiliate program and participate in the conference that way and basically earn a free ticket to the conference, BEC20.com. Feeling lost on your roadmap to wealth? Tune in to the newly launched REI Foundation podcast where hosts Jason and Peely give you all the steps and missteps towards achieving your investing dreams. Featuring interviews from top industry professionals, make sure you listen and subscribe to REI Foundation podcast at thereifoundation.libson.com. Best ever challenge you've come across when working with a property manager slash business owner? Oh man, the best challenge. There's been so many different challenges, but I would say one that stands out is I had a client come to me that had 600 units under management. That's a pretty healthy property management business. It's rare to get to that point, but he was making zero dollars. He had zero profitability, was making no money. And I said, how is this possible? Mm-hmm. And he said, well, I'm doing three mil a month in real estate in my brokerage. So he had a really healthy real estate company and his property management company was this cancerous tumor sitting on the side of this healthy body called real estate. And that's somewhat common in the industry that you'll have businesses that do both do brokerage and property management. And a lot of times they artificially have broken past some of the typical barriers they would have had to make changes to get through by siphoning away resources from the real estate company. So we took that challenge and I coached him through it and he fired about half his staff. He fired about 200 doors and he's making a whole lot more money. Mm. So one of the biggest challenges in the industry that this reveals is what I call the cycle of suck. They take on bad clients. And this applies to any industry, any business. If you take on bad clients, your operational costs will be 10 times higher than that of having a good client. So sometimes in order to move forward, we have to trim the bush, so to speak. We have to get rid of the fat that's causing harm. And some of these clients are eating up 80% of our resources and they're only paying us a small portion. So if you can clear those people out, it creates a lot of room and space to be profitable, lower your operational costs, and to grow and bring on more business. Best ever book you've recently read? 
A really fantastic book is a book called It Doesn't Have to Be Crazy at Work by Jason Fried. He is the CEO of Basecamp. And I actually got to hang out with him on a call, not unlike this, face-to-face on video for about 90 minutes. And at the time, I had a bunch of different software tools we were using. We were really struggling in the company. I couldn't wrap my head around why. And he spent 90 minutes with me, showed me how he runs his company. He's written all kinds of books on virtual teams and things. So I was really excited to hear what he had to say. No kidding, in a day, he had cut my staffing costs in half. Our productivity had doubled. And this book is fantastic because he just recently came out with it. And I had met with him years ago and he had transformed my business just from that one call, showing me how he ran things. He just came out with this book and it reveals a lot of the principles that he had shared with me on that call. So I'm really excited to share that book with everybody. And one of the biggest takeaways is to eliminate interruptions. It was one of the biggest things that I got. One interruption will cost you about 18 minutes of productivity. So if you or your team members are interrupting each other or coming into each other's office once every 18 minutes, you're basically at a standstill in your business. So by eliminating cutting down interruptions, our team has become infinitely more productive. We've cut down on all kinds of meetings that were necessary. We don't feel like we're spinning our wheels anymore. And business gets a lot quieter. It doesn't have to be crazy at work. It's all about creating calm in the workplace. Best ever way the best ever listeners can get in touch with you. Real easy. So I am the same username handle tag on all social media, King Jason Hull, H-U-L-L. Would love to connect. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, whatever, Snapchat, you name it. So feel free to connect with me there. And if you want to connect with me for business reasons, I'm DoorGrow everywhere. And you can check us out at DoorGrow.com. Jason, the insights you gave are applicable to not only building a property management company successfully or rather making it profitable, but also any company. So I'm grateful that you're on the show. It doesn't take much of a connection to go from what you're saying about building a property management company to building a fix and flip company, apartment syndication company, a real estate brokerage. So grateful that you're on the show and sharing the tips from branding to websites, making them have the right messaging and to reputation strategy and the importance of it and the website that you have, gatherkudos.com. So thanks for being on the show. Hope you have the best ever day. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks. Appreciate being here. Feeling lost on your roadmap to wealth? Tune in to the newly launched REI Foundation podcast where hosts Jason and Peely give you all the steps and missteps towards achieving your investing dreams. Featuring interviews from top industry professionals, Make sure you listen and subscribe to REI Foundation Podcast at com.